Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Songs, stories, reflection and romance, those you've read Song of Solomon. And this book is primarily of the writing style called a proverb. And a proverb is a type of Hebrew poetry with short, pithy statements that contain a powerhouse of wisdom. So let's watch this great Bible project overview uh, because Proverbs, because these guys just sum it up so well. The book of Proverbs. The word proverb typically refers to a short, (laughs) clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom. And this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, in chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion in chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction to chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. Now, this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are ten speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. The father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking informs the moral logic of this entire book. Now these speeches from the father. So um, the book of Proverbs is interested in how to architect the best life possible on God's earth. The Proverbs themselves are compact in nature, but they are not trite. And they cover important life lessons, and they do justice to the full complexity of life. As mentioned in the Bible project that we just watched, you will notice that the first nine chapters are not Proverbs, but instead a series of poems that warm you up to the why we read Proverbs. 
And these poems tell us about the nature of God's wisdom and its critical value in our lives. So let's jump in from um, Proverbs 1, 1 to 7. This is um, the Passion Translation. Here are kingdom revelations, words to live by, and words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life, written as Proverbs by Israel's King Solomon, David's son. Within these sayings will be found the revelation of wisdom and the impartation of spiritual understanding. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm, that's, that sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I think we all need that. Those who cling to these words will receive discipline to demonstrate wisdom in every relationship and to choose what is right and just and fair. These proverbs will give you great skill to teach the immature and make them wise, to give youth the understanding of their design and destiny, while for the wise, these proverbs will make you even wiser, and for those with discernment, you will be able to acquire brilliant strategies for leadership. Wow. These kingdom revelations will break open your understanding to unveil the deeper meaning of parables, poetic riddles and epigrams, and to unravel the words and enigmas of the wise. We cross the threshold of true knowledge when we live in obedient devotion to God. Stubborn know-it-alls will never stop to do this, for they, so, they scorn true wisdom and knowledge. Well, that just seems to cover about everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. So we really need this, some insight and wisdom in our lives. Beyond the power of God's wisdom to guide and protect us, one of the most captivating aspects of wisdom is actually its simplicity. True wisdom doesn't display itself. You know how people, you go into the office and they've got all these masses academic books, like, look at me. Wisdom, true wisdom, isn't like something that goes on display. It's almost like quick, seemingly sudden little spurts of wisdom, of brilliance. You know yourself, when you're praying to God for something, you need an answer and he gives you something, you're like, I always think, oh, I'm too smart to think of that. That must have been God. It's like, thank you. <laughs> we would think a book on wisdom would be filled with these long, you know, esoteric arguments, but instead it's packed with these quick, yes. witted and quirky observations on life. They're really quite funny too, aren't they, when you read them? And wisdom in daily life often displays itself in the simplest of answers and the most concise of responses. We don't want to mistake cute sayings and quotes for wisdom. You know, it's like, well, if it rhymes, it must be a God thing, like name it and claim it and all this stuff. That's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not wisdom. Um, you might have heard some of the ones like, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called and all this. And there's always little bits of truth in them, yeah. but it doesn't mean that they're wisdom. Uh, my favourite, my favourite one to hate is, let go and let God. <laughs> what does that mean? I said to Steve, so what, we're not going to have a roster with you? I'm like, I let go and let God, and there were no chairs out, and there was no worship. Was, God didn't do it. It's like, yeah. let's look at the Word of God and see and match it up there. So wisdom is not those little quirky things. Just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's Bible revelation. Yeah. And the book of Proverbs teaches us that wisdom isn't for the elite. The kings and queens need wisdom. The nuggets are applicable to the rest of us. And it's packed with wisdom for newlyweds, those that are going to be newlyweds, the chef, the real estate agent, the dentist, and even the pet owner. You're like, wow, this is an amazing book. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> so whether you're looking for practical know-how and how to parent, select friends, eat properly, or deal with a loan shark, 
Proverbs offers practical insights and advice. Yes. Mm. So look carefully at these themes that you see, those things that gently nudge you. As you said, the fear of the Lord is one of those things that's weaved through the entire book. So how much do you want wisdom? Do you yes. value it as something rare and precious? Yeah. If so, you're going to have to work at it like a man digging for gold, the Bible says. The good news is God's pleased to give wisdom and we have access to it. We just don't want to be greedy or prideful because that's we need to stay humble and continue to ask for God's help. And Proverbs 2, 6, 7 says, Wisdom is a gift from a generous God and every word he speaks is full of revelation and becomes a fountain of understanding within you. For the Lord has a hidden storehouse of wisdom made accessible to his godly ones. He becomes your personal bodyguard when you follow his ways, protecting and guarding you as you choose what is right. Now when I pray, when I read the word, I ask God for the wisdom of Solomon. Because God can't resist that simple, humble prayer. It says in James 1.5, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it a little bit here and a little bit stingily and then he'll punish you for it. Does it say that? No. no. And he gives it to all generously and without reproach it will be given to him. So pray, trust in God that he's going to respond in full grace when you're asking for that. Scripture breathes wisdom like we breathe oxygen. It can't not. Through Scripture God reveals himself and wisdom makes us go deeper right into a relationship with God himself. Mm. Mm. Through wisdom, we learn to love God and love what he loves. Yeah. God's son, Jesus, he was just the epitome of incredible wisdom throughout his ministry of life. In Luke 2, it's actually mentioned twice that he was wise. When he was a young child, in verse 40, it says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Mm. And it's mentioned again after the temple visit when he was 12. And he was just a teenager in verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favour with God and men. We often said about our teenagers, aren't they just wise? Mm. No. So Jesus was quite a standout. Not many you would say about me, teenagers. And as an adult, Jesus' responses were loaded with wisdom. As if it wasn't enough, this 30-something guy was constantly presented with the sick and the mentally ill and the demon-possessed and the poor and the hungry and the spiritually lost. He was also asked these really tricky theological questions by the religious people at the time. Some of them wanted answers, but most of them were just basically trying to trick him. And on a question regarding tithing and taxes, this is his answer. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and what is God is God's. Boom. <laughs> Answers it all in one line of wisdom, right? On a question of marriage and the resurrection. Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. On his choice of dinner companions. I love this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. On the issue of greatness. I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That would never have been said before Jesus in that time. Jesus' responses are generally, or usually short, 
but revealing. And in just a handful of words, he's able to expose and enlighten and present the truth. You know, most theologians would have just gone on and on in volumes, but Jesus just kept it with such a short brevity. He's quite unique in that. And in Proverbs, we find rich counsel of the life we're meant for in our family, in our communities, in our world. And we discover our personal responsibility to others and we unearth how to put love into action, which is what we're here for. Such wisdom is captivating. It's a depth and texture and richness. And you can read one verse a hundred times and each time find something new that jumps out for you. Yeah, that's right. So in the upcoming weeks, we'll be hearing from some of our incredible QB members and they're going to share their wisdom words that jumped off the page for them in the last few weeks. And we're going to show those at our house church services. And we'll also have these mixed up with some of the um, C3 leaders around the world. We've got people from the UK and interstate and overseas who also jumped in on this. We've videoed them and they're going to be intertwined with our videos. So that's very exciting. Really, I'm looking forward to hearing that. So today I'm going to jump in and I'm going to jump into a marriage insight. But I think it will strengthen you in many of your other relationships too. So don't switch off if you're not married yet. So one of our key values in C3 Queens Beach is that relationships matter. And even like in the outside of our purpose circles, there's a section there that says foster family and friendships. Mm. As Pastor Steve said earlier, relationships can be our greatest joy or they can cause our deepest pain. Mm. And Proverbs has much wisdom to share on this topic, especially marriage. So it's worth taking a look at. So let's picture this. You finally, at the end of a long day, put your pillow, your head on the pillow. And you're in your warm bed and you're snuggled in, it's all comfy. You're just about to drift off to sleep. Then you become aware of this noise. It's not the usual one of... It's <laughs> <laughs> just a different one. It's just there and it's getting more annoying. This is it. Drip, 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 but it's constantly through the night. So you try putting a bucket there or a towel to absorb the noise, but this just makes it worse. So you put your pillow over your head, drip, 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 you can still hear it. Like, oh, just about to, then you think it stopped. And then you put your head down on the pillow and it starts again. Drip, 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 drip. This is so annoying. They use this with Chinese water torture, right? It's very frustrating. A dripping tap. So listen what Proverbs has to say about this. Proverbs 27:15. It uses this scenario to set a scene. An agging spouse is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky tap. You can't turn it off and you can't get away from it. You've got to love that. Come on, the Proverbs are awesome. Has anyone here felt like that? No, don't put your hand up. Just the person who might see it. Every day we have decisions to make on how we're going to communicate with people in our lives. Is it going to be in a positive way? Or we can decide to resort to nagging, which can put other people on the defensive, especially in marriage. We used to say to our kids, and they kind of, no one likes a winter and no one likes a nag. And if they came and approached us in that way, we'd be like, I just put the timer on, you can come back when you're going to approach us in a positive, more appropriate way. And we're very, we're very strict on that. Because you know what happens? Whinging kids become whinging adults. And we all know we tend to back off from them and spend as little time as possible. But we, we don't really want to be in that situation. And you know, wives, you mostly cop the, the nagging 
label, it's very true. We can sometimes resort to nagging our hubbies. Oh, look what I've had to clean up. Oh, so it's your mess, but I'm the one that had to do it. You never help. But you know what he is? Blah, 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 drip, 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 drip. <laughs> and if you nag him to change, nothing will happen. It will make him respect you less because nagging appears to be a weakness. So what can you do? You decide to respond in a wisdom way, to communicate there. So Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but a harsh word stirs up anger, makes tempers flare. So make a decision. Will I raise my voice or nag? Or will I decide to approach this differently? Understand the tremendous effect that you can have on your husband. The words you say, the way you touch him, the respect you give him, the way you listen to him, all of those influence him greatly. When men don't feel respected and trusted, most of them will shut down. They'll get quiet and make all sorts of assumptions such as, you don't really love me, if you really love me, you wouldn't correct me. At the same time, women are looking at the jobs not completed thinking, if you loved me, you would have done what I have asked. This is my favourite. You would have known what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, I have to own that. It's terrible. Our thoughts go down a dangerous path. You know, just on a series, winning the war on your mind. We need to start focusing, we start focusing on our negative thoughts instead of the positive. And God wired women and men to process things differently. Women's brains are, respond, are wired to respond to more subtle non-verbal cues. So they would use, say, 20,000 um, forms of communication a day, verbal and non-verbal, as compared to a male's typical 7,000. So what does this mean? If you, as a, a woman, are giving your husband hints about something you want him to do and he's not getting it, it's because he's wired to be, guess what, a man. <laughs> and unfortunately, after working out nagging was ineffective, I tried this hinting approach, but it was even less successful. It went something like this. Wow, those rubbish bins are getting pretty full. Mm, that smell seems to be coming from the direction of the rubbish bin. Like it's midnight tonight. Oh, bummer, I've got my pyjamas on. I wish someone would take care of that smell. No, girlfriends, you know exactly what I wanted halfway through that first sentence, right? What was it? Take the bins. And some of you guys still don't know there is even a quest there amongst my ramblings, right? I treated the male as if he was a female instead of addressing him as a man with a direct request. I lived with four males and I'm the only chick in the house, so nagging doesn't work and hints will never work, I'm telling you now. Because women, we are so good at multitasking and seem to do things perfectly. If your guy isn't helping you around the house, it might be because he doesn't think you need help or want his help or he hasn't picked up on the hints. <laughs> so here's wisdom's way, Proverbs 31, 26. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say and she always says it kindly. Be direct. So when making a request, firstly, choose your time wisely if you have something important to say to your husband. During the last minute of the football game, isn't a time to get into a heavy DM and meaningful. And if he's off to an important work meeting, don't do that. I know for us, if, if Steve's preaching, it's not the time to be going, I need to tell you about some things you need to work on at home, right? Yeah. Not good, you have to pick the time. Yeah. And instead of expecting your husband to read your mind, be specific about what it is that you want him to do. 
clue him in on what's important to you. I guarantee he's more likely to complete it. So just come right out and say, oh, let me tell you about what I'd love to happen sometime. Touch him and look into his eyes and then slip into the commercial. Now, that's sort of what you'd like him to do. Remember grandma's wise words, you catch more flies with sugar than with vinegar? <laughs> she was right. And Proverbs says it like this, 1624. Pleasant, kind or gracious words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Mm. So for example, when I see my husband in the evening, I can say, about time you got home, I had to do all this myself, the kids are driving me crazy, could you just help for a change? <laughs> or tell him, honey, I'm so glad you're home, today's been really stressful. All I could think about was getting to see you tonight again. Then if you can help me with the kids, maybe just change your clothes and help them in the homework, finish up the routine. That means we have some time afterwards to relax together. Sweet honey words. <laughs> or something a bit mid or longer term. I know you're busy with work, but we're having company over on Saturday night and I don't know if you could squeeze it in, but I'd really love to have the yard cleaned up so everything looks nice when they're here. If you're too busy, I can try to find someone else to do it. Just let me know. This lets him know that he doesn't need to do it now. That you believe he will do it gives him freedom to slot it into his schedule as it's important to you. Men will do the job, but they might not necessarily do it in the way you would, but decide to be grateful. One of our friends, he stacks a dishwasher. It's not the way his wife likes it, but it's like, at least he's doing it, and she's yes. happy with that. They've been married 40 years, so it's working. <laughs> uh, sometimes you need to organise and do things for yourself. You might need to save up and pay a tradesman. There was a time when Steve was, um, had massive work commitments. He was flat out, and we had a big special birthday that was happening to our house. And I just was like, right, we're paying some people to come in and get some work done so that we're both happy, and that worked out. Another time we had a dishwasher sitting in our um, kitchen <laughs> in a big box for a couple of weeks and we didn't know how to put the dishwasher in. My girlfriend came over and she's like, Nicole, I know how to do this. Do you want to do it now? I'm like, yeah. And we put that dishwasher in ourselves. I just thought I was like one door when I installed our dishwasher. We couldn't use anything I can't do. So of course, Stephen, you have to do that. And women, I know you're amazing, incredible multitaskers, but for the guys, sometimes a to-do list is handy but keep the to-do list short. So this is how I learnt this piece of wisdom. So this is a clip from Modern Family where on Valentine's Day, this married couple, Phil and Claire, they pretend they don't need know each other and he's trying to pick her up in the bar. It's just so funny. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be talking to you. You're a married man. Ah, well, I just so happen to like married men. Tell me about your wife. She's beautiful, of course. Hey, oh, she's so very beautiful. Why are you here with me? Because she's always so tired and she's always making lists of things for me to do. And if you do know she would be so tired. Oh no, she can make lists for days. Go back to your mouth and how sexy it is. Uh-uh. I want to go back to these alleged lists and your dragging wife. Uh, I'm not talking about you. I didn't mean that. Can we try this again? <laughs> I love that. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> so wives, if you want your husband to do something, one, say it once. Maybe leave a short list. Two, turn your back and walk away. Resist the temptation to remind him. 
and appreciate his contribution and commitment. And here's a, a meme. I've got to put a meme up on the meme queen. Yeah. Yes. Ladies, if a man says he'll fix it, he will. No need to remind him every six months about it. <laughs> Husbands, be affectionate and love and honour your wives. Hear them and communicate with them. Support them by showing your commitment to the family. Make a decision to tick off some of those list items. Okay. Stand.
Lead us to people who will give us good, wise counsel to pray with us and help us strategize if we need to put boundaries in place or confront a difficult situation. Let us be open to hearing and adapting if we need to change. Please give us self-control with our tongues and with our actions so that we share pleasant, kind words that are sweet to the soul and build up others in love. Father God, we pray that you will help each one of us to decide to communicate in healthy, effective ways. That we will not nag, raise our voices, or use harsh, harsh words and tone. But God, we would trust in you. Let you guide our paths and use your godly wisdom to speak words of sweet healing and bring peace to our homes and the lives of others. Holy Spirit, help us to make wise decisions in how we communicate, to use wisdom words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.